Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Letterboxd Book Club. I am Mackenzie. And I'm Claire. And today we will be talking about the fourth house of my book, Untamed. Uh, I'd also like to put in a little bit of a uh, PSA that there are 12 books in the House of Night series which we have discussed. So we will be releasing four, then a standalone one-shot book, and then the next four, another standalone, and then the next four. Yeah, just to break it up a little bit because it can be a little bit overwhelming to just smash out a whole series, even though they are relatively small books. Like, it's still a lot. Yeah, it can be hard to slog through them all. I will do us the honour of reading the blurb. Of course. I've got you. You're not alone. I tried to sound calm and soothing, but I was breaking apart inside. Please don't take him. Please save him, my mind screamed. As if it's not enough to lose her friends and all three boyfriends, Zoe Redbird, the most powerful fledgling the vampire world has ever seen, knows that great trouble is coming to the House of Night. Despite her nightmares, Zoe finds herself distracted by the new kid, Stark, brought to the house by Nefret, who clearly has something she wants from him. There's something between Stark and Zoe that she never imagined, but disaster is awaiting them all and she doesn't know if she can fight the approaching evil alone anymore. Would you like to kick us off with your thoughts, feelings and emotions, Claire? Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. It was a bit of a, I guess, I don't want to say slog, but um, not all, a lot happens, but not a lot happens, as we keep saying. A lot of action more towards the end, which is fine. But I did surprisingly find this book a little bit more suspenseful, as majority of this book is centred around, you know, a vision from Aphrodite in regards to Zoe's imminent death. There are a lot of moments where, even though everyone's, you know, rallied around to protect her there are moments where she does like kind of wander off on her own and there are a lot of moments where I'm like oh no what's gonna happen to her because she can't be alone so that was quite surprising and I had a bit of a jump scare movement with like a raven mocker as they're kind of introduced a bit later um so wasn't expecting that but didn't expect to get that sort of feeling from a book like this but that was great I enjoyed it I can't wait to now that the action is and the plot is furthering a lot more, um, I'm very excited to see where it goes and how this gets resolved if they save the world, but we'll see. Yeah. What about you, Kenzie? Your thoughts? So my thoughts, feelings, and emotions are, um, I'll say this a lot throughout the series, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself always. Uh, as a teenager, I love this series. As an adult, I'm looking back and seeing a lot of red flags. Um, I dislike that only now has the action sort of started like uh book one two and three were all i guess uh world building filler and introduce and introduction until now the action started and i think that book four is way too late to introduce all this stuff like Mm. from um other series that we've read by other authors you know it's kind of the same big bad sort of introduced and then um uh, throughout the series it's the same person or uh, book one they world build and introduce things and then from book two it picks up whereas this one yeah it's book one two three and then yeah just at the end of four really is where it really kicks off and this one is a bit of a bigger book and it's the only one in the whole series that is a bit of a bigger book so I don't understand why say book one and two couldn't have been combined and then book three and four, even one, two, and three could have been combined. Yeah. Especially, uh, I know that we've spoken about this, but with the timeline of the books, that, yeah, each book is a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, or, like, less than a month. And, like, that can that timeline can be stretched, you know, within one book, the progression of time. Um, but, yeah, it's very interesting. Yes. And, yeah, about the big bad, like, 
at this point, we all thought it was Nefret, and we thought that she's going to play a major part, like especially later on. And she still might, but yeah. it sucks that like her evilness is being kind of pushed aside now for this big bad that she, you know, unlocked. But um, because yeah, it was always, we always thought there was going to be more of a standoff between Nefret and Zoe, and Nefret hasn't really been seen to kill or destroy Zoe in any sort of way so far. And yeah. I find that just a, a tad annoying. But now that we've got this bigger bad to deal with. And I still would have enjoyed it if, yeah, Nefret had been the big bad and she had just, uh, I don't know, like dabbled in some eviler sort of source of magics um, and then beca- became like the evil version of herself. I don't know why she had to unleash something else or like unlock something else to then only just be a queen. Mm, so now her yeah evilness is being pushed aside for something a, for someone a bit um, a lot more worse. Which eh, like, I mean I'm sh- like of course yeah. they they'll be working together and she will be like an acolyte to them like yeah a piece in their chess game now. But yeah I I feel like the whole Nefret v Zoe especially isn't kind of like not resolved but there hasn't been a serious consequence to that yet. Yeah, but I suppose it's kind of hard if Nefret's like the pre- the high priestess and she can't just go around. She can't show that something is wrong with her or anything. She can't lose her temper or temperament, which it, uh, it we know it does happen in this book mm. though. So the cracks are showing. But yeah, there hasn't been much of a confrontation between the two of them. It's always been sneaky. Yeah. Um. So I'd, I'd be pretty worried if. They don't have a final standoff. Very a la like Voldemort, Harry Potter-ish almost. Yeah. But like not quite. But like Nefret hasn't done anything that like severely bad yet. Yeah. Other than unlocking wise, this big bad. And I, I always, I mean, I understand it for uh, a book series and themes and uh, tropes and stuff. It's always an older person going after the 16-year-old who has been chosen <laughs> and has the power. And it, they want to destroy them because they're going to be usurped. Rather than, oh, this new, like, supernatural being is super powerful. Let's combine to, like, bring good into the world. Yeah. I suppose there always has to be the balance between good and evil. For every, like, evil uh, entity, there has to be, like, the hero or the light or the good in order to keep the balance. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, it's like that. And, like, Zoe's the chosen one, of course. She's going to succeed. She yeah. will succeed. It's going to take a bloody, like, what, eight more books? Yeah, eight more books for her to potentially succeed. But but looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Yes. Let's get into the book itself. Uh, it starts off, uh, Zoe is on her way to see her friends because she needs for them to be her friends again because at the moment they're not because she uh, had sex with her professor, then he died, and which broke the bond uh, with her and Heath. And then Eric walked in on her having sex with her professor, so she lost all three of her boyfriends. Yep, rip. <laughs> <laughs> so as she's Far walking <laughs> through the courtyard, uh, she is surrounded by darkness. Um, it feels icky, it feels wrong, and then she is scratched by an unseen being. Yes, unknown entity. I actually quite liked this as an introduction because it's like a as an, a layer of mystery. It's like, ooh, like what's going on now? I thought it was um, kind of nephrit, kind of... Yeah, digging her claws into Zoe early on, but obviously we learnt not quite, but... I think thematically as well, I really enjoyed the uh, stark, haha, contrast (laughs) between this and the other books, where the other books feel like, oh, it's a teen YA, and this Mm. one is like, there's stakes. 
Yeah, yes, yes. And yeah, remember, it's 2007, 2008, 2009, kind of onwards, these books were released. And yeah, stakes are higher. Yes. I really hope we get significant character deaths in the future. <laughs> the only thing that I... Not the only thing that I dislike about this book, but one of the things that I dislike about this book, however, is that it introduces these um, creatures called raven mockers. Um, and I think book four is way too late to be introducing new supernatural beings. Because, right, yep. as we've said in the past, I really enjoy books that have the supernatural lore and beings already kind of existing in modern world and it's just a given like this is just how the world is and that's cool people know vampires exist and there are celebrity vampires etc yeah exactly and they all know the rules there's all different houses of night across the uh world but yeah to now be in book four and be like oh also there's these creatures like i don't understand how hard it could have been to be because they wrote about classes in book one and two they could have had a history class and then saying oh and then there were raven mockers and they haven't been seen since blah 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 like just put a little bit of a sprinkling of something so that when they come back to it in this book like oh we know about them because yeah they're trying to blend the the mythology the the, yeah native american mythology again i don't know if it's accurate or true um into this but like how am i going to explain this Ready existed like yeah thousands of years prior and surely there were like scriptures about it or writings or artwork like about these creatures but really none until now yeah and i know that grandma redbird does a bit of an exposition dump um in this book but hang on um but i think yeah as we were talking earlier um you were saying as well that you tried to research person in this book and then against the cherokee legends and you can't really find anything apart from within this book so it's like not only have you created all new creatures but now you've created all new legends and i wonder where are or if there's like that creates a sticky situation being like oh i've created this story about this legend and i've placed it into a native american history Mm. uh like uh, what sort of situation that creates (laughs) yeah for sure but yeah, I just think it's too late to be introducing new things. <laughs> but then how would the, the story kind of, like, progress? Would you have preferred still, like, a Nefret V? Like, Zoe? I just, yeah, Nefret V Zoe. Or even Nefret can bring back something. But I, I just don't think that, yeah, if, if it said the Nefret V, whatever, V Zoe, uh, could they have not introduced these creatures earlier through exposition yeah. somehow? Right. So that it made more sense rather than being like, okay, we're going to introduce this new character and these new creatures and this new thing. And then also, like, why did it have to be Cherokee legend? Could it not oh, just yep, have been, yep, yep. like, a supernatural legend? Yeah, I know. Now that I think about it, because I oh, know we're going to talk, this is going to be a little bit out of order for us, but with the whole legend of Kelowna and the atrocities that he committed, <clears throat> and if it was, like, a legend, like, because it was significant the way, like, he ran the world and everyone was, like, hiding underground, especially women and stuff. I feel like that would be significant knowledge to have known about, been known about, and been taught as well, you know, it's in this society, I guess. And yeah. I think that kind of follows up to what, yeah, you were saying with the whole, like, the law or being learnt in, like, a history type of class. Because, like, it's his reasoning and his motivation is absolutely fucking atrocious. And yeah. yeah, I feel like it would have been known prior. Because then, yeah, towards the end of the book, you know, obviously, yeah, Nefret unlocks Kelowna. And it leaves this sort of, like, rupture world-ending event, almost. And it's like, 
surely people would have had an inkling about it other than like yeah Cherokee heritage but I suppose it would have only happened in like America so perhaps like the European places for House of Night and stuff probably weren't exactly aware of it but I don't know I feel like yeah the, the myth seems too significant to have not already been known about perhaps but oh well <laughs> but yeah yeah it, it opens up a big can of worms and- for how they're gonna figure it out <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, just, sorry, going back to this, because I can't get past this, because I'm pretty sure PC and Chris and Cass are just white women, and so I couldn't imagine you and I writing a book and writing, like, just making up something, like, First Nations peoples here in Australia, making up some sort of legend. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hell no, that that would be, like, racist. Or... Yeah, exactly, Um, and I've just um come across some articles. I will send you a screenshot, but now I feel different. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel not okay. Is it because they're white women? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so let's move on with the book. Actually, What's hang next? on. I'm just looking... I'm trying to look up... Because I've actually never seen, like, pictures of these ladies, of the, these yeah. authors. So... Because I don't want to be, like, <laughs> spreading, like, false info. But, yeah, if they weren't already Native American, obviously it would be problematic. But then again, this whole series, in terms of dialogue, is already problematic. Okay, anyway. Oh, well. Moving on. Unless you have another point to make. No, that's all. Moving on with the book. So Zoe uh, gets to the dorms and she's going to go and see her friends and she's going to be like, yo, I know that I uh, have had three boyfriends and now I have zero, but let me explain. Um, And they're interrupted by the new arrival of James Stark, an Olympian archer. Ah, yes, James Stark. Interesting that now we're having kind of like an introduction of like a transfer because, you know, we hear across the world there are like obviously other houses of night. So very adds an extra dynamic to having a transfer here because like why was he transferred? What did he do? Is he like evil or something? And I didn't like how he was kind of the way he talked informally to like the House of Night professors because I think he yeah is an Olympian archer or something Mm. so he had an ear of arrogance about him until Nefret uh, introduced herself and stuff and then he changed his tune real quick he also has a dog Duchess which is gonna mess up the entire (laughs) system society because of all the cats yes he has a dog wonderful anyway so uh, Zoe goes up to her room, Aphrodite and Stevie Ray are there. We find out that Stevie Ray has an aversion to sunshine. Yes. And Aphrodite's mark is a fake. Yes, which begs me the question, how do they get back in? Because as far because as we're aware, Nef- Nefrit still yeah, has a protection wards up. But with, I think it's explained, Zo- um, Stevie Ray technically isn't a human, a fledgling, or a proper vampire anymore, so she's able to sneak through. But I forget, yeah. like, what Aphrodite's reasons is, because, yeah, she's, like, a human now. Yeah. Um, but Aphrodite still has visions, and she explains to Zoe that she has had a vision of the world uh, being in darkness, despair, violence, awfulness, and this is caused by Zoe's death. Um, It's caused by Zoe's death, and she sees Zoe dying two ways. One is drowning in a European, near a European palace... Which I think is weird. I don't think they're going to end up in a European place. Like I will keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a very obscure location. Or very and Number two is Zoe being decapitated by uh, unknown darkness, which is what Zoe felt scratching her. Um, That's rough. What a way to go, decapitation. But, 
yeah, both versions of the vision are Zoe is dying. Zoe dies alone, which is what Nefret has set out to do to isolate her from her friends and get her alone. But I think, as we said last episode, Zoe is doing a good job of doing that all on her own. All herself, yes. But it's all um, in the name of protecting her friends. It's like, ugh, the girl yeah. can't catch a break. So Zoe goes to leave her room. She runs into uh, the twins and Damien and they're all like, blah, 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 blah. How could you lose three boyfriends? <laughs> Zoe's like, blah, 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 blah. She fumbled the bag. <laughs> I fumbled the bag. And Aphrodite, Aphrodite is like, listen here, you shitheads. Um, the only reason that Zoe didn't tell you things is because your minds are weak as piss and could have been infiltrated by Nefret and mine isn't. So... Fuck you. I love your personification of Aphrodite right there, because I feel like that, <laughs> that would have been very accurate. You're just swearing at them. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's... But a lot of the dialogue And then suddenly between... they stick in the light. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the dialogue between, like, the friend group towards Aphrodite is very childish. Like, they just repeat the same kind of... Not slurs, but... Yeah, they like, call her a hag. Hag from hell. And it's, but yeah. it's all the same negative language. And it's, just, and it's, it's like, repetitive yeah. and it's annoying. It's like, we get it. She's a bully, but, like, this is important. And it's also, I understand, yeah, that she's a bully and she has been awful. But also, maybe there's a reason that Zoe's hanging out with her. Like Yeah, like, obviously for a good reason. But perhaps yeah. now that, yeah, up until this point, she's been isolated. Like, yeah, yeah Aphrodite's been that person to lean on. Yeah. So once that is explained, the friends are like, oh, holy shit, we love you again, Yeah, Zoe. they switched up real quick. <laughs> yeah. Let's do a friendship circle. And once again, this book picks up, I think, a week after the last one or something, or almost maybe instantaneously. Mm, it's like within a couple of days. Yeah, so not a lot of time has passed. So they're like, let's do a friendship circle. Yay. Power so of friendship. As Zoe goes to invoke Earth with Aphrodite, um, she kind of gets zapped by Aphrodite kind of gets zapped by the candle and she's like, oh no, I'm out of favour with Nyx. She doesn't trust me anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Nyx appears before them. Well, Aphrodite and Zoe. And Zoe, yeah. Um, And she's like, no, bless you, my child. You are not out of favour with me. You were just holding on to Earth for Stevie Ray until she got back. Also, you are now human because your humanity is so strong. But she's a bully and she was incredibly selfish. And also, she hated humans. Yeah. And then also, could you imagine going through, uh, because Aphrodite's a little bit older, um, like getting Which marked. Which makes it worse, bullying yeah, fledglings when you're older. Yeah. Uh, getting marked, going to school for like four years or whatever, and then Nyx is like, lol, jokes, you're a human again. So. <laughs> yeah, you may as well just die, reject the change, <laughs> just be gone. Yeah. Ultimately, it came down to her sacrifice, or willing to sacrifice herself for zoe and for stevie ray and that kind of balanced out all her meanness leading up sure <laughs> sure we'll leave it at that or, do, or is it just like a characteristic plot hole and it's just in order to keep aphrodite on our good side yeah because why couldn't she have just gotten like an filled in mark or something like zoe if she was extra special? yeah yeah like why isn't yeah aphrodite why is it like no you're recognized? A human? it's just the it's just words of affirmation nyx does support you but no she's not getting any actual physical reward for it yes but yeah god damn poor aphrodite but i mean we also gotta remember she is like emotionally abused by her parents and she does not have a good relationship with them so, I, but I suppose deep down, she's willing to, like, fight the good fight. And I respect that. Yeah. 
so after this little confrontation, there is a uh, vampire council meeting thing held. Yes. Um, when the priestess of all vampires, Shakina, um, is presiding over. And what a force. She's come to reject Nefret's declaration of war on humans. Because I never really thought, well, who's, like, in a higher power than Nefret? I didn't even think there was, like, a higher priestess that oversees everybody. But I loved that, because it shakes up the power balance between Nefret and, like, the students. And now, you know, someone's overseeing her. Mm. I liked it. Although it was kind of funny when, at the council meeting, because they, Zoe and her gang, all have the affinities to the elements... Uh, she's like, why are these kids here? <laughs> it was so good. But uh, very interesting to see like what role she plays. And due to you know the recent deaths of the, sh- the teachers, they're a little bit short-staffed. So Shakina, is that, is that it? Shanika? Shakina? Sh- Shakina. Shakina is stepping in those roles, which is very awesome of her. I had a better word than awesome. <laughs> very generous of her in order to do that. But she must also wants to ultimately, I think, keep an eye on Nefret because that was a mighty call for war. Yes, and she also listens to Zoe and puts detective marks on the case of yes, whatever of, he was on the case of. of yeah, I forget. I think the, it was The just, other professor's deaths? Yeah, I think the, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, she's... This is where Nefret's temperament is kind of unfolding because she wasn't expecting Shakina to step waltz right in. And, yeah. you know, she, everything is going according to plan towards, in regards to Nefret. She's questioning Nefret. She's like, why didn't you just call the police, the human police? Yeah. It's like, I don't trust the human police, but that's the procedure. Like, she's not doing yeah. anything following any sort of protocol. And Shakina yeah. is calling her out on her shit. And I love that. Yes. Also, it just makes me think, why hasn't any of the other, like, teachers or professors, like, start turning or looking into Nefret a little bit more? Because, like, obviously... Because she's known as like a gracious because kind. Because you haven't read far enough in the book. <sighs> I know, but still, like, come on. Surely they're like, Nefret, chill the fuck out. Like, it's oh, fine. Yeah, but we she's... don't need to declare war. But, like, she's being super stubborn, and surely that's not suspicious to mm. anyone else. But anyway, but yeah, I loved it. Shakina oh. making her way. Eric Eric comes back to the school. Oh, yeah, that's because right. Because he was away doing, I don't know, fuckboy stuff. I don't know, he was doing something. And he comes back, and now that he's a changed and, like, full-fledged vampire, he can be a professor. Because they have one professor short, and he is the best Shakespearean monologue person. Yeah, so he's (laughs) going to teach drama. So he's going to teach drama to Zoe. Also, the Sons of Erebus are still around. They're still chilling for the time being. Um, But also, Zoe, when Zoe and her friends all congregated about the, the circle, they um, Zoe realised that Stevie Ray is still chilling in the tunnels with the other, like, red fledglings, and they need an excuse in order to go out and about into the community in order to, like, see her and figure stuff out. Because Shakina said that, um, I don't think no one can leave without... Either no one's allowed to leave, or no one's allowed to leave without, like, a Sons of Erebus kind of escort. So... Zoe comes up with an idea in order to be able to leave campus for a little bit and it's to volunteer at like a cat shelter. You've missed a lot of content, but yes. So, sorry. I, I had I feel like I had to say that. Okay, that's all good, that's all good. Okay. Um right, sorry, reverse. <laughs> reverse back to the uh council meeting. I might just cut that whole part out anyway. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. That's next. So anyway. Right. Um so Zoe is walking back to 
don't know, her dorms or whatever, because, as you know, Zoe should always be walking alone <laughs> after she... After she was attacked. This is where the thriller aspect or the suspense comes in. Because, like, yeah. she's alone right now. What's going to happen? Yeah. But anyway, so she meets Stark along the way. And he's like, yo, come watch me practice. Oh, she's on her way to the stables. That's Yeah, right. just talk to the horsey. Yeah, this is especially where I was like, Zoe, what the fuck are you doing? And, like, one yes, of the visions yeah. had Stark in it as well, Stark's face. Yeah. And so I was like, Zoe, why are you alone with Stark willingly? You idiot. Yes, and so he reveals that, like, his special affinity is that he never misses his target. I got confused with this, but anyway. The target is, like, his heart, not his head. Like, like his heart's desires. Yeah, his heart's desire. Um, And so he accidentally killed his mentor because he was shooting and his mentor was better than him or whatever. And he's like, I want to be the best. So his arrow shot his mentor and killed him. I thought it's a pretty weird affinity. It was like a la... Oh, no. Did you want... No, it's okay. Never mind. Because, like, so... For... <laughs> this is heart's desire, Claire. I know, but, like, say if... Because I feel like he's going to be a pawn of, like, Nefret. So, like, if Nefret tells him to hypothetically kill Zoe in his heart, would he miss or would he kill her? If he's being told. He'd miss. Okay. So then what's the point in trying to recruit him if... Oh, anyway. Because Nefret doesn't know that he loves Zoe. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and they've known each other for, like, two hours. They're oh. in love. Jesus Christ. The soulmates. Anyway, so he confesses that, like, he fears his power, so he asks Zoe to use her powers to protect the others from him. They're having a great time. They're bonding. Um, They know each other for two hours. Yeah, and then they're, I don't know, doing something, about to leave, and Stark's body starts to reject the change. I'm pretty sure they kiss. Yeah, they have, like, a weird little, like, make-out, like, as he's dying. (laughs) As he's dying. And then he's like, we didn't get enough time or some shit, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think, like, even before this, like, they'd, like, make eyes or, like, when they met each other, like, they were a bit flirty and stuff, I think. Yeah, and Zoe's like, yo, don't worry, you can come back as a red fledgling. Oh, yeah, because she has to reveal all. (laughs) I think she reveals a lot of stuff to, no, I'm thinking of the past book. I don't know. I don't know what's going um, on anymore. And once again, we love the trope of introducing new characters just to, one, turn them into a love interest, and two, kill them off. Yeah, love that. If you think about it, like, that sort of, like, affinity is a, kind of a bit OP in a way. Like, you just, like, never miss. Or, like, or at least never miss in your heart. <laughs> um, The next part, I don't really give a shit about, but well, you can talk next, about it. What's the next part? The next part, Aphrodite, Zoe, and Darius go to Street Cats. Oh, uh, yeah, that was just a fun adventure because it's just, they had to just try to find a way in order to get off campus and sort shit out with Stevie Ray. Because, yeah, they're, trying, they're doing an awesome juggling act with trying to figure everything out because they want to, they have a plan to kind of reveal the red fledglings to the, the campus and to uh, Shakina, but they just don't know how yet. So yeah, they're trying to sort that out. And Darius, I like Darius. He's kind of like I don't know. He's gonna be he's gonna be boyfriend number five. Like I don't care that him and Aphrodite flirt, but like yeah. he's boyfriend number five. And like yeah, he's just chill and you know he's happy to escort them everywhere. But this whole scene was kind of this the like religious undertones of everything throughout this series. But like I don't know, it was a bit much I think. Um, because with the uh. Because at the shelter, they learn that it's run by Catholic? Yes. By, um, like, Catholic nuns and stuff. And the leader of it is Sister Mary Angela. And they were very surprised to learn that 
they don't sister Marie, Mary Angela and all that don't care about the fact that they're vampires and that they believe in different things because yeah. to them Nyx is just another variation of the Virgin Mary, etc., etc. Yeah. And yeah, it was just a bit of like, again, religion exposition as well, but it was very cute and sneaky of how they managed to like talk to Stevie Ray because she kind of snuck into the, uh, oh, I suppose she didn't sneak into Street Cats, but she managed to make her way there and act as if she's volunteering as well. Mm-hmm. And then Aphrodite and Darius are out and about just playing with the cats. It's fun time. Aphrodite. Aphrodite adopts a cat. Yeah, it chooses her, which is very... I didn't even know that Aphrodite didn't have a cat until this moment. I feel like it would be significant, kind of, as like yeah. a vampire not having a cat. But the cat seemingly has the personality of Aphrodite, so that's very cool. But I guess these nuns also yeah, open up the idea that, obviously... Um, Differing religions will not kind of impact their, uh, how they feel towards like the vampires and stuff because all we've seen in terms of other religious figures, which is uh, Zoe's stepdad, like and their and his hatred towards like the vampires and their like wrong and all that type of stuff, that sort of discrimination. So it was nice to see the other side of the coin where there's like a religion that absolutely accepts them. Mm-hmm. But again, just religious exposition, really not my not my thing, not my forte. But we slog on through and Aphrodite's cat is named Maleficent because of course it is um and then on the way back to the house of night they have a run-in with Heath so they have a run-in with Heath on the way home because Zoe decides to stop at a restaurant um Aphrodite is with her and Darius is just chilling in the car because he minds his business like a good man we love that and I think Heath is with a girl is with it yeah with the girl I forget her name it's someone insignificant I don't care and I think I think this is more of like a break up from his end because you know throughout the first three books it's always Zoe trying to like you know break apart from him but this time it was like his final word which is kind of ironic but yeah he finally gets the point I guess because the 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 bond thing is broken I forget what it's called imprint (laughs) imprint that's it the imprint is broken and yeah although it does we do see the symptoms of like the effects of what happens when an imprint is broken for a human because it is said that it's incredibly painful, painful for the human. Yeah. Not necessarily physically, but more emotionally and men- mentally and like no, severe kind of physically. depression. And physically? Uh. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, Heath tells Zoe that he's done loving her because it hurts too much. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what that's where how she drew the line, how the line has been drawn. <laughs> like she's tried to break up with him several times. But yeah. And then that's pretty much it for this this whole encounter. So now Zoe and Aphrodite and the gang have a way in order to get out of the school and be able to, you know, devise further plans in order for, to help Stevie Ray and all that type of stuff. So, smart cookies. Now, this is like the drama scene that happens next, and that was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, Eric is teaching, and he's like, I'm going to do this scene from Othello. And Zoe, you can be my Desdemona. So, they're like having a Shakespearean moment um Intense and Shakespearean Zoe moment. like tells her, her tells him her feelings still and then she kisses him before the bell rings but he leaves yeah I mean because it's, it's improv and so in that way she's yeah kind of telling the truth while also un- in the context of of Othello and Desmodina and all that Desdemona so. Desdemona see I, I took a guess at how to say it because I completely <laughs> forgot I'm not very familiar with any of this but yeah so that's fun very awkward I don't know I don't know if I like Eric being back because he's being a whiny but to be fair he did get cheated on like he 
his emotions and feelings are valid. But now yes. that he's but a professor... But also he's being a little bitch about it. Yeah, but now that he's a professor, there has to be a sense of professionalism and decorum in terms of how he treats his students and now Zoe. So, yes. very weird line that he has to walk through as well. Then Darius is like, Zoe, you need to go and see Aphrodite. I'll take you to her and he can move really, really fast. Yeah, that's a fun little party trick he has. Zoomy zoom. Um, and so... Aphrodite's like, I'm having visions of your grandma and she's being killed or something. Blah, blah, because, blah. of course, grandma has to be the stake, you know, the, the carrot dangling at the stick, her inevitable death, because Zoe loves her very much. Yes, so we bring Grandma Redbird to uh, the House of Night to stay. But within all this, um, I think Zoe has to talk to Shanika. Shakina. Shakina, sorry. I need to write this down. Shakina. Has to have a talk with Shakina, but she overhears a conversation between her and Nefret, in which Nefret is trying to um, undermine Zoe's character, like planting the seed that Zoe is. It's such a coincidence that Zoe has an affinity for all these powers, and yet all these deaths are happening. Oh yeah, like yeah. she's trying to pin any sort of blame and even yeah, Nefret's being a little her. bitch, and Shakina's just like, "Why are you being a bitch to a sixteen-year-old?" Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> But also, Shakina is also calling out Nefret. It's like, well, why aren't you going through the proper procedures and like yes. reporting Zoe and all this? But then Nefret's like, I'm scared. They, they conclude their conversation, but then Nefret had a little final word where it's like, oh, don't trust any favours, Zoe asks, and all that type of thing. Which leads to Zoe wanting to ask Shakina if her grandma can stay in the House of Night due to like safety reasons. So this uh, vision is not fulfilled. But yeah, Grandma Redburn doesn't take much convincing because I think Zoe explains um, all these bad things happening. And Grandma's like, yo, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I forget how Zoe knows about, like, raven mockers. Did she, she must have done research or Damien... Maybe she doesn't know yet. Oh, she sent someone to do research because how does she explain it to Grandma? And then Grandma's like, I know exactly what this is. Because she just says, like, oh, I've been scratched by this thing or whatever. She just explains, like, the circumstance. And then when okay. Grandma comes, they, right. she does the exposition dump and then they realise that there's one listening at the door. And then also because I think that they appeared as darkness and stuff to Zoe, but then once Zoe knows what they are, I think she kind of, like, speak them into existence it's because then like they realise... Physical manifestation yeah, as well. Yeah, they see them... Like, yeah, personified. Yeah. Okay. And then Grandma recommends that um, everyone has a little cleanse circle, so that's fun. Fun bonding exercise. Um, so Grandma does that for herself as well. And all is well, Grandma is on the way to the House of Night. Yes. And so Aphrodite, yeah, in the vision, she wrote this poem. Um, and Grandma oh, read Oh, yeah, bird. that's right, because the poem says, like, the queen or whatever like says this yeah. oh yeah she knows because of the poem that's right I'm an and idiot. grandma redbird uh, reveals that the poem is about Kelowna a fallen angel and he will rise again through the help of the queen I can't say this see sclee sdilly anyway um, <laughs> wow <laughs> I've butchered queen. that I'm really sorry Ron. yeah look yeah queen t-s-i-s-g-i-l-l-i -L -L -I. yeah 
Yeah, that's Please. right. Yeah, I got feel some like things an, mixed up, but that's okay. I anyway. feel like I feel like an idiot now. It's like, why did Zoe know what to tell Grandma? It's because of the fucking poem. <laughs> yeah, and everyone um, tries their best to figure it out as well. Yeah, throughout all this as well, uh, Zoe bumps into Eric and has a chance to explain to him about Lauren, and I'm pretty sure he's a little bitch about it as well. But anyway, and he's like, okay, whatever. So he's not like mad, mad, but like, and plus he knows what's going on with Nefret as well, kind of, with uh, with Nefret too. So, like, yes. he's kind of, like, on the fence about everything because, obviously, yes. danger is looming. Yes, because he heard, like, Zoe and Nefret's little spat at the end of the last book when Zoe's just like, yo, watch out. Yeah, and, yeah, there are still more moments still where Zoe's kind of wandering off on her own and she's, like, yeah, hearing these the flapping of the raven mockers and, like, the darkness and all that, um, mm. which is fun for her. Um, so, yeah, Grandma arrives at the House of Night. Again, yeah, gives this whole exposition exposition dump yeah i feel like even though it's like a myth or a legend i feel like it would have been widely known in in this just in this society just like yeah just like how we know about like like and don't know but like like noah and the ark type of thing like it's a big catastrophic event natural event i guess which you would say but like everybody knows about it i feel like that would same application into this story as well but oh well if that made sense yes <laughs> um yeah, the grandma's there, there's Raven Mocker listening at the window, they uh, blew, blow some blue dust on it, it goes away. Also, I have a qualm. Yes. Because there was a moment, I think it could even be this moment, or another moment, where Zoe asks Damien to use the wind, because I think Zoe is just so, like, frozen and shocked, and he's just able to manifest wind and blow it all away. Like, there's been no development or training with these guys, with their affinities that we've seen. Yeah. Like, I would like, because as, as you said, it's a bigger book. I'm sure there would have been a moment where, like, Zoe walks past them once they're all friends again. And, or like, even, they're practicing or twingling, playing around yeah, with Yeah, like, their even, like, in the second book, you know, when after they discover they have these affinities or whatever, like, instead of three boyfriend drama, could there not have been some things where they, yeah, are all, they're, they're like, oh, let's go to the rec room or, like, let's stay after the circle and, like, we should try and practice, like, doing things with our powers. Yeah, because, yeah. Because we've only seen them be able to, like, use them in the circle. But even then, it's just bringing them to the circle. Like, they're not doing anything fancy. Like, they're not making tornadoes or winds or Shawnee's not um, making any fireballs and all that type of stuff. And and Aaron's not making it rain. Like, I want want that little bit of development, but I know we're never going to get it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, After all this or whatever, they go to sleep. Zoe is woken up by Shekinah. Her grandma has been in a car crash. Mm-hmm. That she thinks, well, like she knows, has been caused by a raven mocker. Um, so her and Aphrodite rush to the hospital, and Zoe is like, "Can I have a medicine man come and sit by her so that she's protected?" And they're like, "Lol, no, that's weird." And she's like, "Well, can I have a nun?" And she's like, "And they're like, yeah, that's fine." So yeah, sister Mary Angela takes one for the team, and she sits by Grandma Redbird's side and like not casts protection, but like speaks protection prayers and all that type of stuff. Mm. Which is very sweet because, again, like Cherokee spirituality and all that, she says it's like kind of no different almost to what she believes in. Mm. So it's great. We love that unity and non discrimination, except from the doctors who said no medicine man. Yeah. <laughs> discrimination at its finest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, I think grandma's in a coma, so they don't know how she's going to go. But sister uh, Mary Angelina, she's sworn to protect. Angela. Angela, sorry. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm exhausted, man. Zoe goes back to school um, because life. And 
she begins a cleansing ritual at the request of Shekinah. So obviously Shekinah trusts Zoe and is like, Nefra, you bitch, I'm not listening to you This is like all. a whole school event as well. Yeah. Um. So Zoe tries to introduce the red fledglings and Stevie Ray makes an appearance. Yes. But nothing can ever go right at the end of a book. Hell no. <laughs> so Nefret interrupts and Stark is back. Stark is a red fledgling now. Oh, yeah, because they had a plan to put a nanny to, cam in the yeah, morgue. Yeah, and to get right. his body. Oh, yeah. And now that I remember it, Jack and all that had a distraction with the dog chasing Maleficent. Oh, my God. Mm. I think that was just after Zoe's conversation with Shakina about um, Grandma Redbird staying. Yeah. Yeah, I just it's such a funny detail. I can't believe I forgot it until now. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so Nefra is trying to be like, Zoe made these. Zoe's the reason... Once again, like, your principal is saying that a 16-year-old is doing all this stuff. Nefret makes Stark shoot Stevie Ray. Poor Stevie Ray. She's just, she's, she's alive, she's dead, she's alive, she might be severely injured. But yeah, she can't catch a break, the poor girl. Far out. And I think this, this whole thing fulfills a part of the poem that Aphrodite saw in her vision. Because it's something about Earth spilling blood. Yeah, and it's near, like, the special tree. Oh, uh, that's so that's why I realised when I was reading about that tree, because you said last episode, oh, the tree is important. Yeah. And here we are, because that's where um, Kelowna lays. Yes, so Stevie Ray's blood pours, Kelowna is freed. Yeah, just unlocked. Nefret uh, reveals herself as Queen T.S. I'm not going to try and say it. Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, Taylor Swift. <laughs> And she kills Shakina with her thoughts. Yeah, like, it's just, like, that's OP magic right there. Like, yeah. just, just snaps her. And also, on. you've just killed, like, the high priestess of all vampires. Like, Yeah, like, yeah. That's but then, jail. But, and everyone kind of sees it, and then she introduces Kelowna as Erebus. Yeah, because she's trying to, yeah, like, snake it in, like, no, like... Like, I am queen, he's Erebus, he's my consort. He, he, oh no, well, no, he's the, the consort of Nyx. But um Oh yeah. Yeah, Erebus is the consort of Nyx, yes. So yeah, she's so yeah, she's trying to like weave him in. But like I uh, have another qualm. Yes. The sons of Erebus, surely in their learnings and their training, they would also have like scriptures and shrines and maybe even statues of what Erebus looks like. Surely they know yes, Arebus, what but Arebus I looks also like. think that maybe uh that these people can reincarnate. Ah. Right. And so, yeah, they're, like, and even, like, Nyx, like, might be appearing to Zoe and stuff as, like, a way of, like, a Zoe's comfortable with. Like, she might not look like that Right. Right. Because I don't know why, but I feel like there there is, I know there's, like, a temple and, like, a shrine of Nyx, but I don't know if there's, like, a statue of her. But, like, still, like, with Erebus, surely they would, like, know, yeah, what he looked like. So, yeah, that was my only qualm, but, yeah, the whole reincarnation thing, sure. I think this is just me making things up. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, like, would, would they not know what he, what Erebus actually looks like? Because they serve for him, under yeah. him, in the name of him. But then um, Darius realises something's not right, so he uh, is helping Zoe and all that. They all run for their lives, because all hell is breaking loose. This is like a, a, like a rapture event, because, like, mm. raven mockers and spirits and all that are just, like, fucking up the world. Yeah. Everyone is to get underground. I think Zoe gives Heath a heads up to find a, a place underground An as underground, well. Underground, yeah. And she contacts Sister 
Mary as well to be like, get Grandma underground if you can, type of thing. Yeah. Because again, the story of Kelowna, like, he is <coughs> obsessive. He's a sexual assaulter. Yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, like, women are his ultimate desire, but also the thing, the creatures he hates the most as well. Mm. Like, it's not good. Again, yeah, his whole plotline introduction and his motivation is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, no one's safe. And they're running for their lives and raven mockers are flying at them and I think they end up underground where the red fledglings are hiding mm. into the yeah, the depot tunnels. Yes. <sighs> what an end to a book. Yes. <laughs> Shit hits the fan. Because it always does. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I don't know, I just find it weird that like and like wouldn't the professors also know oh, I don't know. But I suppose we'll see how it goes. I suppose people in a situation like that you'd want to follow along in order not to be killed. Yes. But I just think, again, still, it's too late in the game. For this world-ending type of thing. Yeah, for these things to be happening. Now that I think about it, since, like, the whole of the, like, I guess America of in this world is compromised, I feel like they are going to have to travel to Europe in order to rally some an army in order to restore the world to its former glory. Mm. That's, my, that's my theory. Um, well, where, yeah, where do you think this is going? What do you think? Yeah, I think as I just said, like, I don't know, it's going to be, it sounds like a really OP situation. I feel like them emerging from the tunnels is just going to attract attention. It's going to be hard Mm. in order, no, but they can be invisible with the mist and stuff as well now. So anyway, ooh, now that I say that, it's going to be tricky. There's going to be a bit of a a lot of stealth happening. Perhaps the next few books are going to be a lot more tense and suspenseful. I hope so. I hope the red fledglings end up kind of like changing like Stevie Ray so yeah. they're a bit more useful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'd be very interesting to see how they solve this. Is Grandma going to live? Is she going to survive? Are the nuns going to play a part in all of this? Or? Yeah. Are they going to pray away Kelowna? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see like if they even go back to the House of Night in order to try and, you know, cause some chaos. Yeah, what's going to happen to Nefra? Like, all these things. Yeah, no, like, yeah, it's very interesting little little streams of plot and, yeah, strings of not knowing where it's going to go. I'm very much looking forward to reading the next two books. Yes. So Seeing. I. But, yeah, I guess that's it from us. Yeah, thanks for listening, as always. Yeah, tune in next time. Next week we will be reading Not the Witch You Wed by, I forget the author's name, April Asher or something? Yeah. Asher. Yeah. April Asher, yeah. Yeah, so that's a little, like, a once, like, just a standalone, like, uh, supernatural, supernatural romance. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Continue joining us on this House of Night journey. Find us at Letterboxd Book Club. If you find us one place, you'll find us all the places. Yeah, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, hopefully we'll be on iTunes properly by the time this is out and we're also on Google Podcasts. Yes. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye.